son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 4th, 2011. And today we're going to be doing a dedicated study on a subject that I've gotten a lot of requests for a lot recently and over the years uh, regarding this, now this comet, Elian, I believe it's called, and Nibiru, uh, Wormwood, Planet of the Crossing, uh, Planet X, there's a ton of different names. And I've done a study on this before, but it was kind of a in concert with a lot of other topics that I was covering, like the Crystal Skulls and Planet X and a few other things that we got into. But this is going to be a dedicated study. There's also a lot more that's happened since that time. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of different news reports and things of this nature. And uh, there's not... There's not a lot of reports out there from a Christian perspective uh, trying to reconcile this particular topic biblically. Um, and it, it's hard to, in a sense, because we really don't exactly know what's going to happen. Okay, And so, when I do this study, don't think I'm just making a blanket endorsement of every single thing that we're going to be talking about. What I'm trying to do is present kind of a broad perspective on the topic Look at it in light of scripture. Look at it in light of the research that's being done. And most, the vast majority of the research, almost 100% of it, we're getting from either secular sources or secular researchers. There's not a lot of Christians out there that are really looking at this in depth. So I'm kind of forced to use secular research to look at this and then to try to reconcile it biblically. Uh, because we always want to do that. And so we're going to be attempting to delve into that today. And um, <clears throat> uh, this is, I don't know how many parts this will be, but it's probably going to get pretty in-depth here. And this is one of those topics that you would want to uh, look at. And He that judgeth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. So I would, I would, if you don't want to hear this, or if you don't, or if you if your mind's already made up regarding this particular topic, um, I would just encourage you to listen, and then assess it at the end, once you've heard the information in totality, before you judge the matter. Uh, I feel like I really have to do this particular study, based on the watchman's call that I have, uh, regarding the potential for it, I wouldn't want my listeners to have never heard about this particular topic, or only to have heard a little tiny bit of it, and then if something were to happen, they'd be taken unawares. That, that would be my biggest fear regarding that particular uh, subject. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> it's not like I've devoted tons and tons of time to this issue in times past, but I felt like this teaching needed to be a dedicated teaching on it, and um, uh, to start out, let's just look at what the, the Bible has to say about regarding some of these particular events that are coming. Uh, this is Jesus Christ uh, talking in Matthew 24 regarding the end times. And the Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 3 through 14, starting in verse 3, it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, <clears throat> saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? 
and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Okay, this is the time that we're, we're fastly approaching and living in. Okay, they really weren't, if you think about it at the time. He, they were asking what would the signs be. Okay, obviously it's you know, about 2,000 years later, so they actually weren't in that time. But Jesus Christ is telling them, okay, here's, here's what it's going to be like. And Jesus answered them and said, take heed that no man deceive you. So he starts out by saying, make sure no one deceives you, because that's going to be the earmark of that time period. Deception. Deception is, is the norm in today's day and age. It's, it's the normal thing. I mean, but people walk around in, I guess you would say, pseudo-Christian circles in the 501c3 corporate church in general, not all, but in general, and they walk around and they're not even aware about probably 95% of what we co- cover on a weekly basis. Just things of general warnings and and uh, deceptions regarding the end times, wolves in sheep's clothing, that we're warning about. They don't have a clue about this stuff. But Jesus Christ said the earmark is really going to be deception. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what we're to expect. In the, in the end times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron, according to 1 Timothy 4.1. So this is just the norm, okay? I mean, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. There's going to be a falling away. There's, there's going to be this falling away. And then that wicked one shall be revealed. So the Antichrist is... is what we're talking about there as far as the wicked one being revealed, but in conjunction with that, prior to that, there's going to be a falling away or an apostasy of the church. And then it goes on in Second Thessalonians to say, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And we're not going to get into that verse today, but Matthew 24, 24 says, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So, that's why the Bible says, take heed lest you fall, you know, don't forgive yourself more highly than you ought, consider the pit from which you're dug, those types of verses. Why? Because humility before the Lord, the Bible says, to this man will I look, to him that is of a humble and a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. So, humility is, a, is there's a lot of, of, in fear of God, there's a lot of um, connection to God's provision, to God's protection, to God's deliverance, to God's guidance. And that's why, we, if you don't feel like you have those attributes, and we all need more of, more of them, I don't think you can ever be really too humble, or have too much fear of the Lord, these are things you, you can pray about, and pray for. <clears throat> so, going further, Jesus said, take, and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, well, who did, who's, I mean, the first one I think of is Maitreya. Oh, there's a lot of gurus and, and religious figures around the world that call themselves Jesus Christ or Christ or whatever. That one guy, that one guy in Miami, I just saw more pictures of his followers. They're, they're, they're all getting 666 tattoos. It's, evidently, 666 is a good thing now. So they've all taken these 666 tattoos. At first he said he was like Jesus Christ or the devil, and then he says he's Jesus Christ. I don't know. You know, God's not the author of confusion. The, the, the man is a total demon-possessed psychomaniac, this supposed pastor in Miami. But, you know, there's another one that says he's Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, 
Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Many are going to fall for this garbage. Many. Think of how many people fall for so much of what goes on in televangelism. You know, Benny Hinn and, and all these, these, particularly the Pentecostal, it's getting more and more crazy. You know, the emerging church and this, all this stuff that's going on, they're falling for it hook, line, and sinker. It's really scary because it's like they don't have any discernment. Now, listen, I've been there, done it. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying I was deceived. I'm, an, I'm admitting I was deceived, and I'm, I'm hoping that and praying that they get undeceived. But the longer you stay in deception, the less likely you're going to break free. <clears throat> they had pleasure in unrighteousness. This deception that they're in is unrighteousness in God's eyes. That's how he views it. So, then it goes on to say, in the next verse, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Isn't that all we're hearing lately now? I mean, it's just, once one little Middle Eastern company deposes their dictator, he steps down, then let's go to the next. It's like there's this clearing. It's like they're cleaning house over there. Of all their puppet dictator people. I think they're really putting in right now who they want to be in there to truly usher in the New World Order, and so that they will be able to have World War III as well. Because I do believe World War III will usher in the Antichrist, most likely. That's how it's been playing for a long time. And the the start of the Tribulation, most likely on the heels of World War III. You shall have wars and rumors of war. See that ye be not troubled. Okay, so see that ye be not troubled when you hear all these things. So we're not supposed to be freaking out and going crazy and... You know, the Bible says be careful for nothing. That word in the King James means full of care. doesn't mean you don't care about your family, things like that, but we just don't want to go around worrying all the time. Okay, so <clears throat> going further, because worrying is not faith. Uh, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So all these things have to happen. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing a ton of that. And there shall be famines. We have that in multiple places in the earth right now. And this is in large part due to the depopulation um, that they're foisting on us. And we're going to see that this particular subject we're talking about today, that could really be a backbone of this subject, a reason why there's no information about this. or Because they don't want you to be educated. They do not want you to know what's coming. And there is no way you're going to turn on, you know, the television and get the truth. You might get bits and pieces. But for the most part, particularly if you're sticking with, you know, the the major news networks, those types of things, you're not going to get the truth. You're just going to get lies. You're going to get whatever they want to spoon feed you. They want you dead The New World Order goal on the Georgia Guidestones, which are the Ten Commandments of the New World Order, and the first commandment is reduce world population to 500 million. They're right there in Georgia. I mean, and all you have to do is look at all the other quotes from all the other elitist globalists that they have gotten quotes from over the years. Maurice Strong, Ted Turner. I mean, we're talking radical. Radical. Well, they got it. They got it. Find some way to pull this off. Yeah, they're chemtrailing us and poisoning the air. They're putting fluoride and chlorine in the water. They're medicating us, you know, half to death. 
they're doing all kind of stuff with radiation and, you know, these new smart meters now and the, the cell phones and the Wi-Fi and all these things to rip apart our DNA. They're putting all kind of tainted garbage in the vaccines, most likely foreign DNA, aluminum, formaldehyde, which is what they embalm people with, mercury, totally powerful neurotoxin, all these cancer-causing agents, cancer-causing viruses. That's another big, big-time depopulation tool, and Ted Turner's admitted it was a depopulation tool. They're doing all these things to try to kill us. So this really shouldn't be, and these famines that are created are totally unnecessary. There's plenty of food. We have plenty of land to grow food to feed people. But the problem is, is particularly in third world countries, the food doesn't get to them. It rots on the docks, or it's sold on the black market, or it never gets there. You know, they want people to die. There shall be famines and pestilences, which would fall under, like, pestilences, like, you know, potential for, whether it's avian flu, H1N1, some variant of that, bubonic plague, those those types of things, which we've talked tons about in times past. And earthquakes. Now, we're seeing a lot of that lately. We've been discussing a lot about earthquakes lately. We've just seen what happened in Japan We're going to see some very interesting parallels with this subject of this comet, Evelyn, or whatever it's called, and Nibiru, and these types of things. Elenin. Okay, that's this comet that that they're saying is a comet, which we're going to discuss that in length. So, we're supposed to expect earthquakes, and it says in diverse places, meaning they're going to be all over the world. They're going to be diverse, essentially. All, all over. And then Jesus says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. This isn't a happy time we're, we're, we're on the cusp of. It's the beginning of sorrows. It's going to be a very sorrowful time. you know. And I know the joy of the Lord is my strength, but it, what I'm saying is this is going to be probably the worst, the worst phase of... of planetary existence that the world's ever known. I mean, maybe other than the flood, you know, I mean, everybody was wiped out them, save save eight people, but the the seed had been so corrupted, that's what God had to do. Now, I don't mean that to be a downer, I'm just saying, he's saying, Jesus Christ saying, these are the beginning of sorrows. Next verse, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Well, it's kind of moving that direction, don't you think? With the Muslims, what they're doing, and I mean, you know, the Muslims can go and they, they can slaughter thousands. They can march in the streets, they can act like total maniacs and idiots and, and say whatever they want to say. They can burn Bibles, they can kill missionaries, they can slaughter people, carte blanche. But the moment somebody burns a Bible, or a Quran, I'm sorry, and I'm not saying I would have done that in, in public or whatever, but I'm just saying, the moment somebody does anything like that, I mean, it's the end of the world. It's, it's the end of, of the world. This cursed devil book from the pit of hell, authored by a pedophile, or, or at least, you know, to, about a pedophile named Muhammad, who had a bride at the age of six, Aisha, and believe supposedly consummated this marriage at the age of nine. So he was a total pedophile. And that's what we know about. 
Can you imagine what wasn't written about? You know? Do, you could do the math on that thing. About this book about a moon, the moon god, Allah, who has nothing to do with the God of the Bible. Well, you can't, can't, I mean, hey, if, if, if I had a, if I had amassed a dump truck load of those things, the first thing I'd do is burn them all. They're cursed books. They're cursed from the pit of hell. I'm not saying I would have a press conference and do it, but they're cursed objects. They should be burned. Anyway, uh, we'll discuss that possibly next week. We're going to probably do another in-part study on that. I just can't get away from it. There's just too much much stuff that's coming at me from the Islamic Muslim angle. So they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, then shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. This is like a testing of people's faith. I mean, people that are truly born-again, Bible-believing Christians, this is a testing. This is a trying. This is the trying of the faith. This is the, you know... And the Bible talks about this, the trial of your faith. Um, It will separate the true Christians from the, I guess, pretenders, you would say. And many false prophets shall rise. Now, it doesn't say many... Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be many false pastors and deacons and elders and this, but it says, in particular, many false prophets shall arise. See, prophets, anybody that would call themselves a prophet, number one, they need to fulfill the requirements of Deuteronomy 18 and then a couple chapters further, where their prophecies, if they're of God, number one, have to come to pass basically every time. I mean, it's not like they could be some kind of like on the Psychic Friends Network, the Dion Warwick Psychic Friends Network, you know, where they get it right like, well, we get it, we get it right like 20% of the time. Now, that's not really fulfilling Deuteronomy 18. And then also, not only that the prophecies have to be accurate, but they also have to confirm the Bible. They can't be like a prophecy that would give glory to some pagan deity. That, that would also disqualify. See, Prophets have the ability to deceive more than a pastor or a bishop or an elder or a deacon, I believe. Because, particularly if you look at where these supposed prophets congregate to, typically. Now, I'm not saying there's no true prophets in the day day and age we we live in. I, I would never do that. But most of the people that say they're prophets, what happened to me in the Pentecostal church, you know, you get prophecies. Oh, I got a word of the Lord for you. Okay, well, you're basically you're basically operating in the in the um, the office of a prophet if you're going around supposedly giving words from God, aren't you? You're giving some word from God, some extra biblical thing. Now. If that prophet's of God, he needs to get it right every time, and it better line up with the Bible. I never saw that to be the case with anybody I've ever dealt with. I've given, I've been given more bad supposed prophecies when I was, and that was the big thing that got me out of the Pentecost, because I looked at the Bible and I said, these people aren't hearing from God. And yet they would go on, like after they give, you know, their false prophecies, and they would go on, and, they, and these wouldn't come to pass, or they would be whatever, and it would be like everybody would ignore it. And then next week would come around, the whole thing would start up over again. At church or whatever. 
Do you realize the punishment for that in the Old Testament was death? They were to be killed. But now, hey, anything goes. Because anything goes in the church, it's ripe for false prophets to come in that are basically at either they're just delusional, either they're not hearing from God and they're just making this up of their own imagination, or they're channeling familiar spirits. They're channeling demons. Now, I'm not saying they're all. I'm saying most, absolutely, particularly in the Pentecostal charismatic circles. And Jesus Christ said, and many false prophets shall rise. See, the reason that they're so dangerous is because everybody wants to hear a good thing about themselves, right? Oh, Brother Johnson, I got a word of the Lord for you. You're going to be a mighty man of God. You're going to do exploits. You know, and then, you know, giving me these real specific instructions. And then I'm like, wow, I did that. I did exactly what you said. And you weren't hearing from God. You know, and it's very tempting. And it's addictive. And it's why people that get out of the Pentecostal church tend to go back. Because they like getting their ears tickled. They like hearing good things. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I want to get another word from God. And the thing is, is a lot of times it doesn't even line up with the Bible. And people get to a point where they don't don't care. They just know how they feel. Why? Well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Everybody wants a nice word of the Lord, you know. But be careful. Many false prophets shall rise and and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, sin, iniquity, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. See, iniquity, sin, quenches love. It quenches that love that, that, um, it's like the opposite. That word wax means to grow. Love shall grow cold. And he that shall, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, are we talking about works-based salvation here? Now I'm earning my way to heaven? No, I don't believe that. The Bible says, For you say by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Say by grace, through faith. Faith in here, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. These are all things Jesus Christ said. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. See, the enduring isn't the work. God's giving you the ability to endure. The enduring is just the evidence of the salvation. You know, faith without works is dead, that type of thing. I will show you my faith by my works. It's not works, though, before faith, like the Catholics want to do it. Like, they want to have their seven sacraments, and I'm going to earn my way to heaven, and then there's really no guarantee. You're going to spend some time in purgatory, you know. The baby's got to go to limbo. I hope maybe people can pray me out of uh, purgatory, you know, after I'm dead. It's garbage. Purely works-based. Totally works-based. That's what it means by he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. It's just evidence of that salvation. I mean, think about it. Well, I mean, are you telling me you can turn your back on the Lord Jesus Christ and and give up and, 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 and totally you know, take the mark of the beast and become an atheist? Is that enduring to the end? Not really. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't sound like it to me. If you're a true born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit really lives inside you. You're equipped. You have everything you need in order to endure to the end. I'm not saying that that means we just 
give up and just do nothing. I mean, prayer and fasting and getting in the Word of God and these types of things, living right and holy. Okay, you should be doing those as well, but it's not, I just kind of wanted to clarify that. And the, and the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations, and then the end shall come. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. See, it always boils back down to faith. You know? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. For you say, by grace, through faith, faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross to save your souls, to save your soul, our source of salvation and eternal redemption, right? That's the faith we're talking about here. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. There's, there we have it very much more clar- clarified. Now I've done studies on this because people ask about, okay, well what do you think about um, you know, losing your salvation? What do you think about Arminianism? What do you think about Calvinism and, and this? And what about this concept of overcoming? And then the cross of Christ. So what I do is I tell people, listen to my teaching on salvation, number one. Then the teaching on baptism. Then listen to the teaching on overcoming or the cross of Christ. Because once you get saved, okay, then you look at, okay, there's, there's things called bearing the cross of Christ and then overcoming. It's a whole, there, these are other, these are different subjects. And I think if you had questions in that area and you listened to those teachings, it would answer your questions. But it's just not something I can answer in two minutes and, and broach it in a particular teaching and cover the matter. There's no way. I mean, it took me hours to cover each subject that I just mentioned. So, if you go to contendingfortruth.com and you key in, like, you know, salvation, overcoming, the cross of Christ, you should be able to find them. But there's also alternate websites on the right side of the tab there that you can click in that have all my teachings in chronological order as well. Or you can email me, and I think I have an email that I can forward you. Uh, my email address is on the right side of contendingfortruth.com. And I do want to thank people, the, the, all my listeners, and I don't do this enough, that are you know praying for this ministry, praying for uh, my daughter, myself, uh, all those that have um, donated um, to us. And, and I would just praise the Lord Jesus Christ for you, and we thank you so much. Because sometimes I can't you know, maybe respond back to them by mail and these types of things. Um, um, so, anyway... I just wanted to take time to do that. Okay, so, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son, Jesus Christ. The Son is capitalized, S-O-N. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not... God hath made him a liar. Believeth not God hath made him a liar. 
In other words, you're trying to make God a liar if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Where did he give the record? Well, the New Testament. The New Testament. It's a testament of Jesus Christ, essentially. It's testifying of Jesus Christ. That's this record that he's in reference to. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Again, it's not like the Son, like the Son. It's S-O-N, and it's capital S-O-N. It's Jesus Christ we're in reference to here. At least it's capitalized in the King James. Who knows what it says in other versions. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So either you're going to heaven or hell. That's it. It's black and white. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So they've written them to us as boarding and Bible-believing Christians. That ye may know that you have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So I wanted to kind of give those verses to you as well as an encouragement you know, because, you know, you, you read Matthew 24, 13, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And it's like, okay, now it's all on me. It's all, now you, you start to get works-based. Like, oh, I got it. You know, uh, you know what? There, there's no amount, none of us are strong enough in and, our, in and of ourselves, in and of our own flesh to do that. I believe it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside a born-again Bible-believing Christian. And he could, he's the one, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our salvation, that's what makes us an overcomer. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what the Bible says. So anyway, I, I wanted to kind of give you those verses to start things out. Okay, let's get into this um, study. It's going to take me a little while to get through here. But this is an article from Tex Mars. I'm not making a blanket endorsement of Tex Mars, okay? Uh, but he, he put out a article called... Dark Red Star in the Collision Course with Earth, Planet X. Okay, now, he's got a video here. I've never watched it. Okay, I'm not even, I have no idea what it's in it. I'm using mostly, and I'm gleaning from the actual material, but what I did is I interjected a whole lot of other stuff into this article and a lot of other things afterward. But he brought up some good points regarding this subject to kind of get this kicked off. A catastrophe ominously looms on the horizon. Planet X, a huge planetary body or star, is headed our way. Described as a great, quote, red star, the path of this approaching heavenly object puts it on a potential near miss with our planet Earth. If you haven't, therefore, heard of the mysterious and deadly planet X, remember, it's got a lot of names this goes by. Uh, The reason it's called Planet X, so-called because it is said to be a newly discovered yet ancient tenth planet for our solar system, believe me, you will very soon. Dooms, doomsayers are predicting the marauding planet's elliptical orbit will bring it near to Earth soon. Now, when they say elliptical orbit, supposedly its orbit, I think, is like 36... It takes it like 3,600 years for this thing to make its orbit. Well, you know, like we... Earth takes a year. Well, this thing takes 3,600 years. It's elliptical, meaning it's like an oval that's stretched out real, real long. And it comes around, supposedly, every 3,600 years, and it goes around the back of the sun, it goes through our solar system, and then it goes way back out in deep space. Okay? And that's what it, it is. And 
Most of the research I've seen describes it as what they call a brown dwarf star. A brown dwarf star is a star that does not have enough mass to initiate hydrogen fusion. The hydrogen refusion reactions are what make the sun burn. It's not big enough. The reason the sun burns is because of its, well, in part because of its mass. Okay? It's huge. And the sun, our sun is huge in comparison to even a brown dwarf star. Brown dwarf star, a brown dwarf star in relation um, is a little bit bigger, typically, they're describing this a little bit bigger than the planet Jupiter. Jupiter almost is big enough to be a brown dwarf star, but not quite. According to this research I have seen over the years. So this thing doesn't have enough uh, mass to ignite and supposedly is very, very hard to see until it gets a certain distance away from Earth. Uh, It gives off light of the infrared spectrum and those are things that modern-day telescopes that are just on Earth typically can't see unless it gets close enough. And we're going to confirm that a little bit later, okay, with, with um, research from NASA. And it's actually quite old. Um, one book recently published predict Planet X will smash into or blindside the Earth soon. Now, that's not going to happen, okay? From a biblical standpoint, it's not going to happen, okay? Because if that happened, the Bible would have described it. And we'd all be annihilated, Okay, I mean, think about it. If, if, if a brown dwarf hit us, and this thing is probably hundreds of times bigger than Earth, if it hit us, it would basically, we'd just like bounce off the thing. We'd be, it, we'd be, it'd be over real quick. Okay, so from a biblical standpoint, it's not happening. <clears throat> now remember, the Bible has made thousands of predictions that have already come to pass. Thousands. I mean, Jesus Christ's life alone, death, burial, and resurrection, his birth, all this was predicted in the Old Testament, and it came to pass perfectly. And I've got a paper, it's called The Law of Probability, where a college, um, I think in Chicago or something, did calculations on of, of the hundreds of predictions of Jesus Christ in the Bible. They just took 50, and they said, what are the odds of all these actually happening, coming to pass? Well, it was like one to some number where there weren't enough atoms in the universe to cover it. It was, you know, and that's just 50, and there's a whole lot of other predictions that have come to pass as well. So the Bible's been incredibly accurate. And so there's no reason to think that it's not going to continue to be incredibly accurate. And I say that because there's going to be a lot of things that come around to, I believe, test our faith, to try to destroy our faith. Probably going to see a lot of archaeological things that happen. That was one of the things I talked about before. Holy blood, holy grail, all these garbage books about supposed about Jesus Christ and all these alternate views of what really happened. And, you know, I've talked a lot about that. In the arrival of the Antichrist, there's going to be a lot of things going on. And the central theme is of one of the Antichrist deceptions is destroying your faith as a Christian in the Word of God. That is going to be a central theme. That is going to be one of his main goals. Because if he can destroy your faith, then what are you basing your faith off? Nothing. Nothing. It's destroyed. It's gone. And then he'll give you his version. His corrupt, satanic version. But I predict that it's going to happen. 
Going further, <clears throat> the ensuing upheaval will spawn horrific hurricanes and parallel tornadoes. Now, let's face it, I mean, if, if this thing blindsided our planet, there wouldn't be... With hurricanes and parallel tornadoes, floods, I mean... It would be dead. I mean, we'd be... It'd be a cataclysm. Okay? It'd be way more than just that. But... A near miss, I believe, would have been a better way to word this. The ensuing upheaval will spawn horrific hurricanes and parallel tornadoes, floods, and volcanic blowouts, and leave the other planetary calamities in its wake. Now, I'm also talking about this subject because of the other things that have happened just in Japan, and also the stuff I just reported on the on the New Madrid fault line, how they're predicting this gigantic earthquake in that area. How now I'm seeing all these different maps, and a lot of people are talking about this... Uh, the um, the North Pole is actually shifting, and that's a fact. It's happening. Okay, now we're going to get into an article on that at the very end of this, this teaching. All kind of weird, strange stuff going on with, with our magnetic um, anomalies that are happening with the, with the poles. And all these things that are preparing for in the New Madrid fault line, how they bought all those MREs, the meals ready to eat, millions of them. The government's buying up all the, all the uh, freeze-dried food companies' food that they can produce right now. They're, they're scheduling all kind of emergency exercises. And we're going to... That subject relates, I believe, potentially relates heavily to this subject we're talking about today. Going further, many pseudo-astronomers and perennial astronomical doomsayers point to Zechariah Stitchin. I mean, that guy's as unsaved and as undone as you could be, but they point to his work in which the British scientist author alleges that planet Nibiru, is another name for it, which travels and orbit from the other side of Pluto to Earth on a 3,600-year cycle causes manifold disasters each time it makes a pass. They say this is now the time for Nibiru's return. Some cite other planet names for X, for planet X, including Wormwood. This is prophetic since the Holy Bible does in fact prophesy catastrophic changes to occur due to a star by this name. Revelation 8, 10 through 11 says, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and the name of the star was called Wormwood. Okay, so that's 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 one of the things that we look at there. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking at that portion of scripture. It's the actual third trumpet judgment of Revelation 8. And let me just read it in its totality. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon a third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of the waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third part of the waters became Wormwood. Um, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So that's what the Bible has to say about that. Now let's go further. While the more dramatic accounts forecast Planet X arrival later this year, now I'm not sure when this article was written. It was written, I guess, in early 2000, but it's pretty timely right now. Very few Christian authors have messed with this subject. I think they're afraid of being labeled. And to be quite honest with you, I've backed off on this for a long time. But I've had a lot of requests lately. I've got a lot of cross-confirming information. And that's typically when I know to do a study. When, when I'm getting, you know, all these, all this information from different unrelated sources and then a lot of requests for different things. I just can't do studies on everything everybody asks me about. I mean, there's just no way. I'm, 
only one person that can only do so much, but uh, this is one that <clears throat> definitely seemed like it was time to do. Uh, some maintain the shattering specter will occur later in 2004, 2006, 2011, or 2012, uh, or even 2078. Others claim it could be thousands or even millions of years before the 10th planet orbits near Earth once again. Surprisingly, a number of professional astronomers at the world's top observations share the view that there is a 10th planet in outer space. Scientific reports conclude that the gravitational pull of the 10th planet, a planet now not observable by most telescopes, and I believe that's because of this, it's a brown dwarf, it doesn't give off any light, and the the, um, radiation that it does give off is of an infrared spectrum. Now, when it gets close enough, you can see it. But, anyway, let's go further. Uh, They're saying a planet, um, the scientific reports conclude the gravitational pull of this 10th planet, a planet not now observable by most telescopes, is already disturbing the heavens and causing what astronomers call perturbation. Perturbation. the, The planets are being perturbed. They're being... It's like this wobble that that's, that this mass gravitational uh, object is 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 um, having on these other planets. It's perturbing their orbit. Okay, that's what that means. <clears throat> Planet X. Now, this is not Texas Mars. This is other research I've gathered as well. Planet X is a generic astronomical term for an unobserved object that is interacting with known objects. Before Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto were first observed, each was the planet X of its day. Uh, but Pluto's not a planet anymore, right? No. We, we got shirts. I, I have to make a confession. We, we got shirts. And they say, what, they say, don't worry, Pluto, we're not a planet either. Oh, it, it, they say, it's okay, Pluto, I'm not a planet either. So I see, because Pluto got declassified as a planet, so we kind of felt sorry, Taylor and me, for the poor Pluto, and, you know, we got the shirts. No, I'm just kidding, sorry, just kidding, a little teasing there. Anyway, let's go further. However, Planet X was well known to the ancient civilizations and folklore, tells us they had many names for it. Wormwood, Marduk, Marduk, you know, uh, believe in the scriptures as well, Old Testament, you know, very, very high-level nasty deity they sacrificed children to. The Bearded Star, that's my favorite, not my favorite name, personally. Anyway, the Red Dragon, Dark Sister, Destroyer, and Frightener, among others. Now, supposedly, if you go and look back in like ancient Sumerian writings, they talk all about, they call it the Planet of the Crossing. And they talked about all the cataclysmic events that happened when it made its, you know, flyby. And supposedly... This is what we're right on the cusp of, according to these modern-day, I guess you'd call them rogue astronomers, because obviously NASA's not coming out and admitting to this, but they have admitted to many things in the past, and hinted, and then they just kind of covered it up, and we're going to be looking at that in depth. Uh, Again, I've been sitting on this information for a long, long, long time. The first study I did, I didn't get into a lot of this stuff. And I didn't know a lot of this stuff. I've been gathering... This isn't just a study I just did, like this knee-jerk reaction. You know, because it has to be covered. You know, it's something I've asked the Lord about, you know, 
when do you want me to do this study? You know, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that everything we're going over today is, is, is I'm giving some blanket endorsement. I'm trying to give you the big picture. I'm trying to equip you as best I can with the knowledge and the information that I've been shown, and I'm trying to kind of pull it all together in a cohesive manner so you have a pretty good idea what's going on here. So, going further, while governments assure us that Planet X does not exist, even though they announced finding it in December of 1983, and then quickly retracted what they had stated, and we're going to look at that in depth, with, uh, with sketchy and condescending pronouncements intended to suppress public interest, the ancients and the current data say otherwise. When he says ancients, I believe he's referring to like the ancient Sumerian writings and then all these other cultures that supposedly have written about this planet and all the cataclysms it produced. They say Planet X is coming, and that we need to prepare now. Okay, switching gears again. On January 26, 1983, NASA launched the Infrared Astronomical Satellite, or IRAS. Independent Planet X researchers have long held the idea that the IRAS satellite imaged Planet X during its sky survey. Now notice, it's infrared. It picks up... Uh, the wavelengths of an infrared spectrum, so it was actually able to visualize this thing. Obviously, if it's a satellite too, it doesn't have to like try to, uh, like a telescope on Earth has to go through all the atmosphere that we have. You know, that's a lot of interference there. But if you're in space, there's really nothing. And then it's of an infrared spectrum, you're going to get a lot crisper view, you know. So anyway... <clears throat> With that thought in mind, enjoy the following New York Times article published just four days after the IRAS launch. Okay, so let's look at some really heavy-duty stuff here. New York Times, Sunday, January 30th, 1983. It's entitled, Clues Get Warm in Search for Planet X, by John Noble Wilford. Uh, Something out there, and this is straight from this New York Times article, something out there beyond the farthest reaches of the known solar system seem to be tugging at Uranus and Neptune. Some gravitational force keeps perturbing the two giant planets, causing irregularities in their orbits. The force suggests a presence far away and unseen, a large object that may be the long-sought planet X. Evidence assembled in recent years has led several groups of astronomers to renew the search for the 10th planet. They are devoting more time to the visual observations with the 200-inch telescope at Mount Palomar in California. They are tracking two pioneer spacecraft, now approaching the orbit of a distant Pluto, to see if variations in their trajectories provide clues to the source of the mysterious force. And they are hoping that a satellite-borne telescope launched last week will detect heat signatures from the planet or whatever is out there. And again, heat signatures would be more picked up in the infrared spectrum as well. The infrared astronomical satellite, and this is what they're talking about here, uh, was boosted into a 560-mile-high polar orbit Tuesday night from Vandenberg Air Force Base, California. It represents an $80 million venture by the United States, Britain, and the Netherlands. In the next six or seven months, the telescope is expected to conduct a wide-ranging survey of nearly all the sky, detecting sources of not ordinary light, but of the infrared radiation spectrum. And again, that's what brown dwarfs give off, primarily. So you just can't see it with a regular telescope. 
which is invisible to the human eye and largely absorbed by the atmosphere, this infrared radiation. Scientists thus hope that the new telescope will chart thousands of infrared-emitting objects that have gone undetected, stars, interstellar clouds, asteroids, and with any luck, one of my favorite words. You know, I just had a bowl of Lucky Charms before I uh, got on air, just to kind of, you know, give me that Irish leprechaun type of lucky feeling. Just kidding. Teasing, teasing. Anyway, with any luck, the object that pulls at Uranus and Neptune. Okay, so that was January 30th, 1983, that article. Next article, U.S. News and World Report, September 10th, 1984. Okay, Planet X, is it really out there? That's what that particular article was entitled. Okay, so we went from January 30th, 1983, New York Times to September 10th, 1984. Shrouded from the sun's light, a mysterious, mysteriously tugging at the orbits of Uranus and Neptune is an unseen force that astronomers suspect may be Planet X, a tenth resident of the Earth's celestial neighborhood. Last year, the infrared astronomical satellite, IRAS, circling in a polar orbit 560 miles from Earth, detected heat from an object about 50 billion miles away that is now the subject of intense speculation. 50 billion is probably not an accurate statement. Okay, They probably said that to make everybody think, oh, it's way farther away than it really is. Okay, But, again, they can say anything, but they did admit to this much. So, they detected heat from an object that is now the subject of intense speculation. All I can say is that we don't know what it is yet, says Jerry Nugenbauer, director of the Palomar Observatory from the California Institute of Technology. Scientists are hopeful that the one-way journeys of Pioneer 10 and 11 space probes may help to locate the nameless body. Okay, so let's continue. Some astronomers say the heat-emitting object is an unseen collapsed star, or possibly a brown dwarf star, a, or otherwise known as a protostar, that never got hot enough to become a star. Actually, the reason it didn't become a star is it didn't have enough mass to ignite and initiate hydrogen fusion. So anyway, however, a growing number of astronomers insist that, that the, star, the object is a dar, which is a gaseous, gaseous mass that is slowly evolving into a planet. For decades, astronomers have noted that the orbits of two huge distant planets, Neptune and Uranus, deviate slightly from what they should be according to the law of physics. Gravitational pull from a planet X would explain the deviation. Let's go forward. NASA press release, 1992. Unexplained, this is a quote, unexplained deviations in the orbits of Uranus and Neptune point to a large outer solar system body of 4 to 8 Earth masses on a highly tilted orbit beyond 7 billion miles from the Sun. Huh. Went from 50 billion to 7 billion. Hmm, and that was not, not how long of a time there. Are we talking about about 8 years? <clears throat> that was a NASA press release. So we have New York Times, U.S. News and World Reports, and then NASA press release. Planet X was the subject of a free and open debate among astronomers and scientists decades ago. However, following the mysterious death of Dr. Robert Harrington, the chief astronomer of the U.S. Naval Observatory, Planet X became a third-rail topic for scientists. So once they knocked this guy off, or he mysteriously died, 
We didn't want to talk about Planet X anymore. It became this passe third rail topic. Harrington searched for the same object that famous astronomers such as Percival Lowell also searched for. He published a paper on where he believed he would find planet X and traveled to New Zealand with his own telescope to observe his discovery. After his trip, Harrington was silenced by a bizarre onset of of esophageal cancer. Wow, that would be a good cancer to give if you didn't want somebody to talk. Hmm. And died before he could publish his findings. Please don't think they don't have the technology to create heart attacks, bring on the sudden onset of cancer, bring on strokes. Our government has all those. Every bit of that, and more. Harrington was silenced by this. Before he could publish his findings, hmm, imagine that. Following his death, an anonymous obituary stated that he had been disappointed with his research. Oh, I wonder why it was anonymous. Well, probably because it was fake. However, Harrington's widow rejected this notion. She believed her husband was murdered to silence him before he could alert the world of the proof of Planet X's existence. It would make the most sense to me. Now, I give you a little picture here of a of this Planet X or Nibiru or whatever you want to call it coming into our solar system and then in this elliptical orbit so you can get an idea of what we're talking about here. The close passing of Earth by a massive brown dwarf star or a comet planet, hmm, like this comet Elenin that we're talking about, yeah, now we're going to start kind of phasing into that a little bit, would place a powerful gravitational pull on Earth and could cause a polar shift. The Earth could flip on its axis and cause major cataclysmic events. Now, there is a uh, this polar shift. There's a lot of theories on this polar shift. And what happens is, is the gravitational pull of this giant brown dwarf, let's say, actually affects our, our uh, gravitational, our magnetic system of our planet so much that it literally causes like our poles to literally undergo either a, uh, I guess you would say a full, a quarter or a full or a half Polar shift, meaning the North Pole would actually flop over on its side while this thing is passing to a certain extent. Potentially. Some theories say it would actually turn the whole world upside down. The South Pole would be going north, the the North Pole would be going down. Obviously that would result in all kind of cataclysmic events. Um, The Bible does say in Isaiah 24, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Okay, so, it does say God, I guess evidently in times past, has turned the world upside down. Now we could say, well that just means he was messing with it a little bit. Well, it does say he turned the world upside down. So do we have scripture of a potential pole shift here? He maketh the earth empty, he maketh it waste, and he turneth it upside down. So, in other words, if you look at the, the phrase, turneth it upside down, and look at the other portions of this verse around it, it doesn't sound like a really good thing. He maketh the earth empty, he maketh it waste, he turneth it upside down, he scatter abroad the inhabitants thereof. It's a pretty big deal if this is a polar shift that the Bible is in reference to. It's a pretty big deal when it happens, evidently. Okay, so I just wanted to throw that in there, because you know we do have that, that verse... 
going further, uh, <clears throat> this would place a, when the brown star, dwarf star came near us, it would place a powerful gravitational pull on Earth, and it could cause a polar shift. The Earth could flip on its axis and cause a major cataclysmic event. It is possible that eons ago, this comet planet, or brown dwarf, uh, passed near the Earth and caused a polar shift, and the great flood of Noah's day ensued. Could be. I don't know. Maybe God used it for that purpose. Again, this also sounds like a cataclysmic judgment we read in Revelation 16 and Isaiah 24 that shall come upon the world that will follow the Antichrist rise. Now, going back to the text Mars article, significantly, Freemasonry and the occult world have long awaited for the arrival of Planet X. Did you know that? The high-level occultists have been long waiting for this. The occultists, in their secret doctrine, teach that the ancients once worshipped gods and deities, mighty men of renown, who came to Earth from the heavens, from the planet star called Cyrus. <clears throat> the Egyptians knew this star, Cyrus, is Dagon, or Dogon. He's got Dogon. Or the Dog Star. And worshipped it under its guise as Anubis, the jackal-headed god. From its name were also were derived the chief deities of the Egyptian religion and culture, Osiris, Lord of the Underworld, and Isis, the star goddess. Amazingly, the Holy Bible in Genesis 6 describes an early time in the days of Noah, when these star gods, in reality Satan and his fallen angels, committed the abomination of mating with the daughters of men, producing hideous hybrids. These supernatural offspring the Bible calls giants, which is where we get the word Nephilim from, or the fallen ones. It is because of these of the unimaginable wickedness and sin of these hybrid man-beast giants that God decided to cause a flood to overflow the earth and destroy them all. Only Noah, whose blood and DNA were unpolluted, and his family survived the great flood. Now, I've went into that subject many, many times. But isn't it interesting how we can start tying this potential thing with this passing of planet X and this into this subject now, which is a key subject for the end times, which we've, we've delved into, I don't even know how many times. The myths of the pagan religions of Samaria, Babylon, and Egypt often told of reptilian-like ancient astronauts visiting Earth, mating with women, and worshipped by the ancient mankind as powerful gods and goddesses. This is where we get a lot of our mythology from. You know, all the Greek mythology, all these, these stories. Granted, they may be embellished, but I really believe that, you know, this, there was a time when this actually happened. And you look at Genesis 6. You really don't have to look much further than Genesis 6 to realize that it could have happened. These ancient astronauts, see, the ancient astronaut theory is what all these abductee victims are being told. Did you know that? Yeah, this is what they're told. And this is the backbone of intelligent design. It's not God created the earth, because intelligent design is not Christian. Intelligent design is based, if you trace it back all the way, and I've done a whole study on this, is based on the ancient astronaut theory, that yes, we did have creators. See, we were intelligently designed by the stinking aliens, essentially, by these fallen angels. They came, and they figured, you know, they'd come to our planet and do a little science experiment, and, you know, create human fi human humankind in its primitive form, and let them evolve and do whatever they did, 
And, you know, what happened is, is they went away and they came back. And when they came back, we'd messed everything up, up so bad we, because of our, you know, what, what we've evolved into and this and that. That now they're going to have to come back and straighten everything out. But see, they were our creators. That's what they're, that's what all these people that, that, that channel demons, that supposedly get abducted by aliens, um, that have close encounters, whenever they're allowed to be brainwashed by these evil entities, it's always the same deal. We created you. And that you've misinterpreted the Bible. And this and that. But it's always about destroying your faith. It's what it's always about. So, many New Age teachers and occultists are gladfully and expectantly proclaiming the soon return of these strange hybrid deities. Yet, for whatever reason, God permitted a small number of the Nephilim to appear again years after the Noadic Flood. Well, it says that even in Genesis 6. It says they in those days and also after that. It says these giants were in the lands. Okay, well, God permitted a small number of Nephilim to appear yet again after the Noahic Flood. And in Deuteronomy, these monstrous half-human creatures are also called the Anakim or Rephim. Also the Zuzumans, the Zazumans. I've got into all the specific names of them. I mean, when they went into the Promised Land, what did they encounter? The Jews, when they finally went in, they encountered giants. There were giants in the land. Uh, Rephaim actually literally means, evidently in the Hebrew, congregation of the dead. What's more, the scriptures prophesied the return of these satanic mighty men and these evil giants in the last days. Yet not as gods, but as devils. In Matthew 24, 37 and 39, well, we don't know. I mean, if they return, who who knows... uh, how they're going to come back. I mean, I would imagine whatever way they're going to come back, they're going to come back to deceive, just like they've always done. Jesus warned that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when Christ comes once again. Moreover, the return of the fallen ones is coupled with the mind-boggling signs in heaven, in the heavens. As for the earth, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that the mountain shall fall down and the planet will reel to and fro like a drunkard. There's another reference um, to the planet so we have where the Bible says in Isaiah where he will turn the world upside down, and that's associated with a lot of bad stuff. Then we have another uh, verse, and let's just go to that. Okay, so I'll give you a whole uh, more of that verse. Isaiah 24, uh, end of verse 18. The foundations of the earth do shake. Well, that would imply earthquakes. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. Again, more references, I would believe, to earthquakes. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard. Now that could also mean earthquakes. That could also mean a polar shift. And what they're saying about this pole shift is that if the earth tilts um, from north to like where the equator used to be, it's going to stay that way for a certain time until it's out of planet X's gravitational pole. And then it'll go back upright. Okay, it'll go back to the way it was. So that would be like reeling to and fro. Okay, again, I don't, I'm not saying it's exactly what's going to happen. I'm saying that could be a possible scenario. There shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. Uh, like a house would be moved off its foundation. And the transgression thereof shall be upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. So... Anyway, these are some references in the Bible that that, um, we could look at here. Now, 
Let's go forward. Worse, even as one tragedy after another exacts its bloody toll on humanity, the Bible tells us powerful beings who shall be unleashed from the bottomless pit and come abroad to torment men and women. Uh, describing with frightening impact in Revelation 9, these entities have a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, Revelation 9.11. And they, um, these, um, <clears throat> I believe these, uh, the locusts, you know, these demonic locusts, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And I looked these two names up, and Abaddon means destruction, the name of the prince angel of the infernal regions, the minister of death and the author of havoc on the earth. I mean, he's a really fun guy, as you can see. And then Apollyon, uh, who is the destroyer, the angel of the bottomless pit. So, now as we near the ominous prophesied last days, singling our Lord's coming, false religions such as Mormonism, Scientology, and the Illuministic secret societies such as Freemasonry, the OTO, which stands for Ordo Templar Orientis, the Priory of Zion, and the Order of the Solar Temple, loudly and cheerfully are proclaiming the return of their star gods to accompany the approach of the star planet Niburu, more better known as Planet X. And, again, if the Antichrist was going to pick a time to arise, of in, and it was going to be a time on the heels of you know, great cataclysmic upheaval, well, this would also be a pretty good time for him to do that, because you talk about desperate people. You know, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and his protection, you know, there would be millions and millions of people incredibly desperate for uh, any kind of relief. <clears throat> Increasingly, we're being inundated with tales and accounts of UFO abductions, allegedly that men and women are being taken into spacecraft and sexually used to create human extraterrestrial hybrid beings. Does this have some connection to the Genesis 6 account? Does it have some connection to when Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man? And you look at what was going on in Noah's day in Genesis 6, and that was the main thing, or one of the main things that was going on. This then is the great hidden secret behind the heralded coming again of Planet X and its supposed star gods and goddesses. The movie Moguls, I've even... I've even Seen. This is this is a cult. These are these are people that are New Agers. Uh, I've even seen that they say that when this Planet X comes, it's actually they're saying it might be actually inhabited by these reptilian star, whatever you want to call them. Okay, and that's when they're actually going to really descend on the planet. Now, listen. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm saying that's a theory I've heard, and it would kind of line up with, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Can't say for sure. I'm just saying it's a plausible scenario, okay? So I'm not putting all my eggs in any particular one basket. Just trying to give you a broad overview. Don't want you to be undertaken by any potential scenario that may arise. Because remember, the... Earmark of the days and times we are in and are moving into are going to be deception. <clears throat> the movie moguls are telling us that interplanetary creators of humankind, that the interplanetary creators of humankind, our saviors and overlords, are soon to descend. See, that's the ancient astronaut theory. See, they're here to basically police their little science project. 
And they're here to be uh, our saviors and overlords, once again. I mean, that's how the aliens pose themselves. They're, you know, they're waiting for... That's how Maitreya poses himself and all these supposed ascended masters that are just waiting in the wing to come and grace our presence in humanity. I mean, Maitreya goes so far as to say he's, he's the coming awaited savior of all the five major religions of the world. Christ to the Christians, uh, Krishna to the Hindus, the fifth Buddha to the Buddhists, Imam Mahdi to the to the uh, uh, some of the Muslims, you know, the Messiah to the Jews. What if all this happened at the same time? You know, what if there was cataclysm, World War Three, plagues, pestilences, earthquakes, a polar sh- who knows? And then on top of that, mass UFO supposed sightings. Mass sightings of these supposed ascended masters slash star gods or whatever, and all of a sudden they're the ones that have all the answers. They can have figured all this out for us. In fact, they're only hope. What if? I don't know. But if you were Satan and you were trying to orchestrate the biggest deception that the world had ever seen, wouldn't that be a pretty good scenario to play out? I mean, people are going to be seriously desperate. I mean, and that by itself, desperation... If people are desperate enough, they'll give in to things they would have never given into, or buy into things they would have never bought into. And what if they come with all lying signs and wonders? Hmm. Isn't that what the Bible says, how the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to deceive the whole world? Through their miracles, lying signs and wonders? So they have all their little satanic parlor tricks, you know, that they pull off, their lying signs and wonders, calling fire down from heaven, these types of things. Ooh, that's going to really wow them. That's really going to impress. Hey, and look at that mile-wide spaceship up there. Now, that's something that's really impressive, you know? And people are thinking, well, how can I fight that? How can I... All I'm saying is that has Hollywood and the sci-fi and all these things, have they devoted all these millions of dollars in, like, you know, TV series and miniseries and movies and books, and have they done all that, all of this preparatory brainwashing regarding the UFOs and all of these things for nothing? Did they just do it for grins? I think there's an agenda behind it. Okay, and I'm not saying I fully comprehend the agenda. (laughs) I'm just trying to, like, put the big pieces together for you. As depicted in a score of UFO accounts, sci-fi stories, and blockbuster movies such as E.T., the uh, Extraterrestrial, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Star Wars, The Jedi Sagas. These are older ones, not to mention all the new ones, and many more. Remember those those movies I read off? Uh, I don't know, it was 45 days, a month ago? All the movies that are coming out in the next year and a half that relate to UFOs? I mean, it was mind-boggling how many of them there were. You think they might be stepping things up to really try to Grease the skids for the old Antichrist and the false prophet to come in? It's going to be a deception like the world has never, ever, ever known. These supernatural beings are supposedly love us and wish to guide us peacefully into the new age of the intergalactic harmony. Well, it's it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. We're going from the old world order into the new world order. And they're going to be here to usher us in 
to the New World Order. And we will become as gods, which was the first carrot ever offered by Satan, which was a total lie, to Eve in the Garden of Eden. We will become as gods. And they're going to be here to help us make that transition. In fact, they created us. So who better to help us into this transition where we can become as gods? It's pretty amazing when you start really looking at the big picture of all this. This teaching is at the very core of the secret doctrine of Helena Blavatsky's theosophy, uh, uh, theosophy and of L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard, who was also a high-level Satanist, uh, Helena Blavatsky, a Luciferian, and of the Freemasonry's Cyrus Mystery Teachings. But as I show in my startling new video, and this is Tex Mars speaking, the events surrounding the return of Planet X, uh, the dark red star on the collision course with Earth, are much more unsettling than what the expected world has been duped into as fact. Now, I have no idea what's on that video. I don't know. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying he's got a video on it. The truth, my friends, isn't out there somewhere as they proclaim on the popular series X-Files. Oh, man. I thought it was. I believed everything the X-Files told me. Just kidding. Sorry. Um, it's found only in the prophetic pages of the Holy Bible. Isn't it time, therefore, that Christians ask, what does God have to say about the tumultuous coming of Planet X? Well, he didn't really get into that in this article. He's, I think he wants you to buy his video. So, um, <clears throat> The ancient secret doctrine taught by the occult world and by free, Freemasonry and other satanic sects tells us of the return of supernatural giants from outer space accompanying the cyclical return of the mysterious Planet X. And then he goes on to pose the question, could Planet X cause these horrendous catastrophes? And he posts, posts all these pictures. Uh, next article, Wormwood and Planet X. <clears throat> now, I post a warning here. So, warning, for the most part, these are not from Christian sources. There's like three videos here you can watch. Uh, they're not from Christian sources. This is only being recommended for gleaning information about this phenomenon. Uh, this first one is a five-part video series. offers a secular, secular view of the potential coming event. Produced and hosted by Marshall Masters, who is a former CNN science feature field producer, as the co-author and publisher of Planet X and Forecast. Planet X Forecast and 2012 Survival Guide. Marshall believes that 2012 will be a survivable event. Again, this is not from a Christian source. I'm just giving you a little more information here if you want to explore it. Just please, just glean from this. Don't buy into their New Age hook, line and, you know, New Age theories hook, line, and sinker. Um, another uh, article here entitled NASA and Planet X Update with the Smoking Gun Evidence. It gives you all of the actual documentation of what NASA actually admitted to. Much of that I already read you from the U.S. News & World Report, their, their press release, that New York Times article. Uh, then, shifting gears here, let's go ahead and stop part one here, and let's go to part two. God bless you. We'll see you in the next teaching. If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's drjohnson 
at the letter I, the letter X, dot N-E-T-C-O-M dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.